happy Halloween weekend, ladies and gentlemen. It's Chase and Josh of Factor Fantasy. That's Chase, I'm Josh, and we're here to give you a Halloween special episode here today. Uh, I know last time we did a Van Helsing standalone. This week we're going to do something very, very similar just to commemorate the holiday, it being Halloween. Something fun, kind of lighthearted. So guys, get ready for us to cover the very first Blade we did this for a variety of reasons, obviously the vampire aspect and, and Halloween here, but also because we just jumped out of a sword-wielding badass in Geralt of Rivia, moving into a sword-wielding badass. Also, Marvel has picked up the reproduction of this, and it is going to be brought back into the Marvel Universe in 2025, so we thought this is as good a time as any to just do a fun, standalone, one-shot episode with Blade, and before we get started, I'll turn the floor over to Chase to say a few words. Yeah, man, let's go. I got to give Jay Nelly props because right before I watched this one, I was like, I don't know, man. I know this one's from 1999, but it really took me back. You know, vampires seem to be our trend on Halloween. <laughs> so it's, it's good shit, man. Great stuff. And just like you said, it works perfect because we're going from one monster to another monster <laughs> that wields a sword and slays some badasses so it's absolutely sick um but yeah man we'll we'll get it going but it if you want to watch this one guys because i know it's kind of hard to find sometimes just like pretty much all of our shows you can find it on streaming services you can find it on hbo max is the easiest place to find it otherwise of course you can find it anywhere else but that's where you can check it out because i know this one's a throwback but it's a fucking badass fun one. That's for damn sure. So get a malice in the chalice. We'll get it going, man. Happy Halloween, brother. Happy Halloween to you too, man. It's, it's interesting, right? Because Halloween this year lands on a uh, Tuesday. So we have to do like the Sunday prior to it. But, you know, that's that's what we do here. We roll with it. So enjoy this Halloween special episode. It's going to be fun giving it to you. And I'll let you take it away, Chase. Let's do it, man. So this one really took me back. So... If people don't know, you know, we're about to find out how Blade becomes Blade. So it starts out, it, the year is 1967, and a woman is being rushed into the hospital, and she's bleeding from the neck. She's pregnant, so you can tell she's been bitten by a vampire, and she hits the flat line. And uh, th at this point, we can see that the lady is pregnant, is what's going on. And... Um, and uh, then we kind of really don't see what happens after this. And we cut over to uh, this couple is heading to this big club, like this big party club. Definitely had a 90s vibe here, like the 90s club scene. What do you think, Jay Nelly? Yeah, it, it definitely did. You saw the kind of clothes they were wearing and stuff. And it was just like the, the old DJs and the music just bumping back then. Uh, that was funny. But one thing I wanted to add, too, is, yeah, this lady was pregnant. But as she was dying... Uh, the, the, not only was she pregnant, she gave birth to the child, mm -hmm. and the last scene you see of this lady is her reaching out for the child, and then you know flatlining out, and you see the doctors holding this baby, and you know this baby's gonna gonna come back a, a little full force here, and not too long. So I'll let you continue on. Yeah, big portion there. Yeah, sorry, she did give birth to the child, exactly like Jay Nelly said. So uh, then this couple like heads to the big club. They kind of remind me of like a uh, bandits or something. But uh, so then they get there and then a man is in this club and he notices that blood is dripping down from the ceiling, which is really weird stuff. And then he looks around and people are like, 
you know, biting each other and drinking blood. Very strange things. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, <laughs> blood spews down from the sprinkler system above. And these these people are all partying, jumping around. They got their tongues out, drinking this stuff. And he realizes he's in a club full of vampires. Holy shit. I would be fucking terrified. What about you, Jay Nelly? Yeah, I thought it was cool. This is one thing where I was curious as to was it a club full of just vampires or people who were, you know, I don't want to label anyone, but almost like a satanic, ritualistic kind of individual who, who just enjoy people's blood. But then you see when all the blood's pouring down and they're smiling and fangs are hanging out and it looked really fucking cool. So, yeah, dude, that would have been, if you're the only human in a room full of vampires, that would have been a, a tough spot to be in because you're, you're just going to get torn apart in all different directions, man. So, yeah. <laughs> And then busting into the club, we see that this baby that was born has become a fucking badass. And it's Blade. And, you know, as we were saying before, uh, we'll get into a little bit more of this later, but remember his mom was human when she was bit and was dying. And he was born, but because she had the venom, the vampire, like, venom blood, and the process was occurring... He is the way he is. So uh, the man is crawling and trying to escape, and that's when also, he sees... Also, can, can we set yeah. the scene of what this fucker looked like? This dude comes <laughs> in, he's got this the jet black cape, this almost armor-piercing bulletproof vest type thing, so like all protected there across the chest. Like, really sharp uh, fucking haircut, pointed up a little bit with some designs on the side black glasses that like a sword hanging out of his back dude was fucking like this looks so cool dude and this guy's got he's strapped up got three or four guns listed along the way got some silver spikes hanging from his belt like dude this entrance was badass he didn't it's, it's quiet he's just standing there and it's just like menacing as fuck and you knew this guy was about to tear some shit up bro so that's all i wanted to say <laughs> no 100 it was like the punisher meets a vampire like it was fucking sick man he looked like a member of the SWAT team with his sword in the back, too. That was fucking awesome. But, yeah, and as the guy's crawling towards him, he sees the feet of Blade and, like, looks up and sees that exact image that Jignelli uh, mentioned. And he just start Blade just starts kicking ass and taking names, man. Motherfucker takes out a fucking shotgun and unleashes hell. He shoots six vamps, including one that was one of the girls that was the girl that was the couple that was going to the club that we just thought was people while she was a vampire and he fucking shoots her and you can tell this shit was made in the 90s she like turns into a skeleton and into ash when the shotgun hits her it's fucking cool though what do you think about that that cgi man Oh, it was it was something to see all the stuff we see these days uh, on screen, how they make stuff go to where it came from back in the '90s. It was <laughs> definitely some of that like Microsoft Paint type shit, dude. So like, I thought it was cool though. I, I I just took it for what it was. I knew it was a 1998 film. I enjoyed it, man. It was just a it was a fun, silly. Uh, the, the, the technology is definitely vastly improved. I'll say that. <laughs> What's wild, too, is back in the day, too, you know, people watched that in the theater and they were like, oh, that's fucking cool. They were able to make that. <laughs> yeah. Fucking sick. So then Blade's like, you know, he's stabbing vampires with silver stakes. So now we see those come into play. And you have like a gang of like, I called them like 10 biker vamps. They were like the biker vamps and 
Like, one of them, his name was Quinn. <laughs> Interesting name for these people. But uh, it was sick. Yeah, you know, I always got to count when action comes into play. So, uh, Blade cut down seven vampires with a sword and then killed two with this double-sided, like, throwing star that he had. Almost reminded me of how we talked about it in The Witcher when they were playing that little game in Season 3. It was like a double-sided throwing star that he throws at him. And then the last is a silver stake that comes out of his shotgun to kill the last... Uh, kill one more vampire, and then he pins that Quinn guy against the wall... And then there's another one where he throws a match and just lights him on fire. So this motherfucker just took like a fucking army of vampires on by himself. It was fucking awesome. So now we cut over to this girl, Karen Jensen. And she's a, a doctor and she's inspecting the body of the burned vampire. That fucking <clears throat> Quinn, he was like against the wall when... Wesley fucking snipes his blade, like, threw a match on him, lighting his ass up. And he's on, like, the morgue table. And they're thinking this thing is dead, right? And he comes back to fucking life? He, like, regenerates and, like, begins to run off. And, like, all the shit is going down. We're like, what the fuck? What do you think about, like, the burned ash body that comes back to life on the morgue table, man? It reminded me, if you guys have ever done the mummy ride at Universal Studios, in the very, very first part where he comes out of the coffin and, and raises his arm to the guy who says, Get out! And like, it shuts him up there. It looked a lot like that, so I thought that was kind of cool. It was fucking awesome. It was badass. Uh, and then, at, so at this point, too, like right before the vampire jumps up from the table, this is kind of going to be a full circle moment later, is Karen's talking with this guy Curtis that apparently they had a history and it was like her basically assistant but apparently they had a relationship history together and Curtis says do you ever have second thoughts about us and Karen said I do then I remember what an asshole you are and that's when the burn vamp jumps up and then we have Blade that emerges and he tells the Quinn guy and he's uh you know so after the burn vamp gets up on the table live and he actually bites Curtis. So that's a big moment there. Um, and then bites Karen as well. But Blade emerges and looks at the Quinn guy and says, I came to finish you off. <laughs> like nothing's a good blade without some dialogue, man. And uh, he strikes the vamp. But then the cops intervene. And then, of course, the Quinn, the burned up vamp, jumps down below and like hits crashes into an ambulance and escapes and then uh blade is shot at by the cops and escapes with wounded karen and this was hilarious because typical wesley snipes blade fashion they start shooting at him and he goes motherfucker are you out of your damn mind <laughs> badass man <laughs> fucking awesome and um so then we get to the point where blade you know because karen's bit and just like the curtis guy got bit brings her to his assistant to try to you know save her in this situation who's Ab abraham whistler where are they coming up with these fucking names man like it sounds like they, they go through like the history book or something abraham whistler what do you think about that name 
1998, man. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, whatever. I'll take it. So <clears throat> then Abraham says, um, you know, if she, if Karen starts to turn into a vampire, they'll have to kill her. But this was really cool. He injects her with garlic so she can fight off the change. And I thought that was really cool. It's interesting the tools they use to, like, reverse this, like, vampire venom that turns people. And uh, then the upper vampires is what I call them. They're kind of like, I guess, the head vampire politicians or whatever. They're having, like, a big meeting on how they make too much attention of themselves in these, like, vampire clubs and about the incident that just happened. And Deacon Frost, what a fucking name is that? (laughs) He's like the... Yeah, I called him the Billy Badass. That's what Deacon Frost is. He's like the one he thinks that, you know, vampires should be over everyone anyways, and humans should fear them. And they're basically like humans are just a piece of meat. While the other political vampires, the upper ones, they're like, that's not the way the case should be. You know, we should more just blend in. And Deacon Frost is arguing that they shouldn't even have to shut the clubs down. And he criticizes the other vampires, um, you know, for for not siding with him. And they're arguing with him. They're saying, you know, um, he's criticized by the other vampires for not even being a pure vampire. And he says, why does it matter? And and they just get in this big argument that is going to come full circle later on. So Karen, at this point, she's towards the end of her recovery, and she begins to discover all the weapons at Blade's place. This is a zombie apocalypse. Uh, hallelujah heaven is what this is. Like, dude has every gun and weapon imaginable. And Abraham, um, at this point, he, he tells you know blade how he injected karen with garlic and said i had to increase the dose to over 50 milligrams now uh well he injected karen with garlic but then now he's actually injecting blade uh with garlic and he had to increase the dose that's not garlic because garlic weakens the the aspect of it it's called it's called like serum serum, right yeah yeah, it's called serum serum. okay Yeah. yeah whatever was in it that weakens yeah is it explain what that is is it like it doesn't increase his abilities as a vampire it just helps him try to fight off like becoming full vampire i guess i I I think uh, it's more of like a thing to give him strength i think it's because he needs to feed and he tries not to feed on humans as we see kind of towards the end of of the film uh he I, i believe it's almost similar to like if you guys ever watch Vampire Diaries, how some people drink animal blood instead of human blood, so it gives him some strength, but not the strength of like a full vampire. Also similar to like Geralt, uh, like when he takes a little potion and all of a sudden becomes a little bit stronger. So I, that's what I think the serum is here. Gotcha, good stuff. Yeah, I couldn't tell what was in it. I just assumed they put some garlic or some <laughs> shit in there. Maybe. Anyway, good good point. So um, then, uh, you know, Abraham, of course, you got to have some good dialogue here. Abraham says, wander off the beaten path, doctor, when she's like inspecting all the weapons and stuff. And Abraham tells her that she's not a prisoner and that they just had to take precautions after she was bitten. But, you know, she's free to go if you want. She wants. And 
uh, he tells her that they hunt vampires. And Kieran says, am I supposed to believe this? And Blade says, you already met Mr. Crispy earlier. <laughs> like, the dialogue's phenomenal, man. And Kieran said, so what do you use? Stakes? Crosses? And this was really cool. Abraham says, crosses don't do shit. Some of the legends are true that vampires are severely allergic to silver, though. Feed them garlic and they go into shock. There's always sunlight and ultraviolet rays. So it's very interesting the way they do kind of these weapons to fight them off. And Abraham shows Blade this big ultraviolet light that he's made. And uh, he says, I got this... uh, (laughs) this sucker running what you think we try it tonight so cool moment later coming up but abraham then tells karen that she needs to get out of town because other vampires will track her down and he gives her this vampire mace and tells her to buy a gun and if she finds it and finds herself getting sensitive to garlic and sunlight use the gun on herself and now we're back over to deacon and he's uh, you know, got the overhead vampire criticism, criticizing him um, that he's up to something. And then we're back over to Blade, and he drops Karen off and reminds her to keep an eye on the vamps everywhere, even in the daytime, because you don't know who's like human and a vampire, and people are always watching them. And Karen returns home, and this police officer officer krieger comes to visit and he attempts to kill karen and shoot her but she sprays krieger with a vampire mace but realizes it doesn't work and blade intervenes of course kicks his ass and then uh blade had set this hole up the entire time to use karen as bait to draw these people out so he can find out who these vampire spies are and who's working with the vampires and he tells blade tells karen that krieger is a vampire wannabe and he's basically paid off by vamps and on the back of his neck he shows him a tattoo uh of like basically of his loyalty to the vampires and they discover in the back of the trunk of his car he's got bags of blood and uh he's he's a blood bank for vampires as he's running i kind of took this as like a drug dealer for vampires what do you think of that yeah, it was kind of like that. It seemed to me that they need to transport this stuff without being caught because they're trying to stay out of the public eye these vampires are, so they use their little henchmen to do the dirty work for them and bring them their blood that they need. So, yeah, just very similar to the middleman in a drug deal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, then at this point, uh, Blade tells Karen, you know, basically kind of like how, uh, you know, so basically during this time karen attempts to escape but blade pulls out a shotgun and says so sorry krieger attempts to escape and blade pulls out a shotgun and of course says suck on this and misses but then karen intervenes because she's not for that and blade like to kill people and blade criticizes karen and says if you want to survive you better learn to pull the trigger kind of like how Geralt used to be um, you know, before he kind of became more human with Yen and Siri, you know, kind of like telling Siri, go cover yourself up. Like, he, he's not taking no shit right here. And uh, Karen goes with Blade to track down the other vampires, and he shows her how to identify 
which places are controlled by vampires. And there's a symbol on the outside of it, this club that's similar to the tattoo that Krieger had to show its loyalty to the vampires. And then Blade finds Krieger, beats the shit out of him, and uh, he gets him to show the secret entrance to the vampire organization. And he says, you give Frost a message for me. You tell him it's open season for all the suckheads. <laughs> Fucking awesome. So hunt- vampire hunting season is on, baby. Fuck yeah. <laughs> and uh, so they go... Blade and Karen go through this entrance, and there's a computer room, and uh, Karen says, this must be where they keep most of their records. They already own half of half of downtown. And uh, Krieger then comes back on the scene and goes to see Deacon and tells him that Blade used him as bait and it was a trap. And Deacon responds by not going to fucking bite in his neck. Basically, fuck you. He's still fucked up. And now Deacon sends a message to Blade that he knows he's been looking for him. And we go over to this point where Blade is trying to get more information. And we see this fat, uh, overweight vampire. Looks like something out of the Silent Hill movie that's like laying in the bed. What would you think about this nasty ass thing? This thing reminded me of Jabba the Hutt. It was... Just this fat little thing with this high pitched voice, and it was it was really gross. But yeah, I guess it was the brains behind the op- not like the operation, but almost like the tech person that is almost like a side character. But without them, the operation probably wouldn't run. So uh, yeah, obviously, you know, what we're about to find out in the next room that they go in, there's a big reason on why that person was important. But it was just grotesque looking creature man i don't even know if that thing was a vampire or not it was just a gluttonous fat overrolled like <laughs> jumble of flesh dude it was not i don't even i don't even know what was what on it it was just a big pile of yeah like i said i don't know dude it was you could go check it out if you haven't seen it i'll say that <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was disgusting but uh Speaking of that light that Abraham told him about, like, you want to give this a test, Blade used the ultraviolet light to, like, shine him on him, and every time he answers a question, it, like, burns him if he doesn't answer, and the guy's screaming and making hissing noises, he's got boils all over where all the burns are going, and uh, eventually he gets answers out, and the fat vampire is, like, all burnt up, and uh, gives him the answer that it's part of the prophecy to bring the blood god, which is going to come a lot later. So, And Blade kills the fat vampire and burns him again. And uh, Blade and Karen go see the Lamagra, which is like the ancient vampire Bible, which has like all these like old texts uh, to decipher like this prophecy to get answers um and the original burn yeah well, go for it hold on a sec yeah i was gonna say the, the la magra is the name of the blood god like the god itself that's what the, oh, that's okay, la magra yeah. what they what they went in and saw the scrolls that were in the pla- in the in the glass casings that was only the book of Erebus, which is the that's the name of the the quote-unquote vampire bible so i just want to make sure that was clear la magra is the blood god that they're trying to resurrect 
the Vampire Bible is the Book of Erebus. So that, oh, that's I see, all. See, good. You corrected me on some things. I was thinking that was a new name for their Bible there. <laughs> I just called him Blood God. So, yeah, so the Lamagra is the Blood God that's going to be revived. And, yeah, but the Vampire Bible is like has those scrolls everywhere that they're reading to decipher the prophecy. So now we're back over with Quinn, and he's that original burn vampire that we had saw that got up off the table. And uh, he escaped, recovered, and he ambushes Blade with another group of vampires and tells Blade he got a brand new hand from where Blade had cut it off before in the club. And uh, then you have this martial arts vampire, like Attack Blade, and uh, backs him into a corner where the group ties him up and Quinn just attempts to start beating the shit out of him. And uh, one vampire tries to pick up Blade's sword, but the razor, like on the end of the sword, it was like prongs that came out. Like emerge and cut this vampire where he couldn't touch his weapon of choice. And um, then Blade begins to laugh and uh, there's a metal device in his ear where this has all been planned the entire time. And Blade says, I'm expecting company. And Abraham busts in, shows up, and just begins to mow down the entire group with a fucking machine gun, baby. And uh, the entire camp is just being mowed down. And he says, catch you fuckers at a bad time. <laughs> Clearly it's a bad time. It feels like a fucking Sylvester Stallone movie or something. Anyways, so then Quinn follows Blade and Karen. And Blade fights him off and shoves his face, shoves Quinn's face into an oncoming train. And Karen throws Blade his sword and Blade cuts off his hand again for another full circle moment. And then Quinn retreats like the baby back vampire bitch he is. I thought runs away. It was really funny that he cut off the other hand. So it's like, dude, you cut off one, you cut off the other. I thought that was, it was just really interesting that instead of cutting off the same hand, he's like, I'm going to take the other one now. But yeah, that's all I have to say on that. Some of the 90s dialogue is phenomenal, man. Catch you fuckers at a bad time. <laughs> Reminds me of like the old Power Rangers episodes where you'd have like Jason would like kick and trip somebody and he'd be like, have a nice trip. See you in the fall. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> anyway, so uh, wounded from the fight, Blade has to give himself blood. And uh, Karen takes him back to see Amber- Abraham so he can recover. And Abraham tells Karen Blade's story about how he became a vampire and how he can walk in the daylight. But And he's also resistant to silver and has all their strengths and regenerates fast. Um, now we're back over to Quinn. He's arguing with other vampires and Deacon that he should be allowed to kill Blade. And Deacon refuses and said he wants Blade alive. And then it's like Deacon's girlfriend. They have some sort of relationship. This vampire Angel, I think her name was, Angel. Um, and it's like his accomplice. And they go take the boss vampire that's over him on top of this hill on top of a cliff as the sun's about to rise and bind him down and rip out his fangs so he's bleeding out his mouth 
as the sunrise slowly happens and he burns to a crisp, making it extra crispy for you. <laughs> he just burns to burns to ash on the hill, man. It's fucked up. And uh, now we're back over to Blade, and he shows Abraham. There you go. The book of, is it Erebus is how you call it? Erebus? Erebus, Erebus. Right? yeah. The book of Erebus, which is the vampire, di- <laughs> the vampire diary, the vampire Bible, and says that he thinks it has something to do with what Frost is working on, which is this prophecy. And Karen shows Blade and Abraham a chemical compound that she's been making, which kind of reminded me of Van Helsing with, like, the compound that blew shit up there. But um, it explodes vampire blood. And she says, maybe you can use it to explode some vampire heads. And Blade tells Abraham he has to go into the town for serum so he can get better, so he can recover. And Karen notices Abraham is, is getting sick. And uh, Deacon, at this point, back over with him, he's been watching Blade uh, when he goes into town. And Deacon confronts Blade and takes this little girl hostage to negotiate with Blade. And he attempts to discuss terms. And Deacon tells Blade that the goal is to be like him, a daywalker. And he says, look at him. They're pieces of meat. It's just the catalyst of natural selection. I'm offering you a truce. And Blade says, you're nothing more to me than another dead vampire. And Deacon says, by the time this is over, you're going to wish that I cut you from your own mother's. And then Blade attempts to shoot Deacon with silver bullets. But he dodges them and throws the girl in front of an oncoming truck. But Blade runs towards her with his vampire speed and saves her right in the nick of time i'll buy it yeah i'll buy it and um so deacon and the other vampires then ambush abraham and karen taking karen hostage beat the shit out of abraham deacon shoots abraham in the leg and just begins to stomp on him over and over and over torturing him stomping on his face stomping on his chest stomping on his body <laughs> it's a damn stomp fest you know stomp on here <laughs> anyways so then blade returns and it's like saw it's like the saw movies have you ever seen that there's like a vhs videotape this is fucking dumb <laughs> It's like a VHS videotape sitting there that says play me on it. And I zoomed in and it said play me. <laughs> and uh, uh, and then this is when Blade removes, there's a bloody sheet on Abraham's face. And he sees Abraham is beaten to hell in a chair. And Abraham tells Blade that Frost took Karen and is trying to resurrect a vampire to cause an apocalypse. But he needs Blade's blood because he's a daywalker. And Abraham says, you can't go after him. If Frost gets his hands on you, it's all over. You're going to have to finish me off. Give me your gun. Give me the damn gun. And Blade hands him the gun. Blade begins to walk away. And then... and uh. <laughs> And then Abraham looks at Blade as he's walking away and says, 
Now walk away, you stupid son of a bitch. Walk the fuck away. <laughs> and he's like tearing up and it's getting emotional. And Blade walks away ready to kick some fucking ass from Deacon. And you just hear the bang. And Abraham, full circle moment, just like he told Karen, you buy a gun. And if you start feeling symptoms where you're allergic to garlic and you can't resist sunlight, you use that fucking gun on yourself. And that's what he did. He said, walk away, bitch. Why, I off myself right here. <laughs> and then, so we continue. And, uh, so Blade plays the video that says, play me on it. <laughs> and uh, Deacon tells Blade, by the time you watch this, your friend should be dead. If it makes any difference, he put up a hell of a fight. You can find us at the Edgewood Towers. And then he shows the vampires and himself with Karen where they've taken her hostage. So Blade's coming to kick your ass. And then Blade gets ready for battle. He's he's strapped up. You know, fuck a gun law, baby. I'm strapped up. Fuck a gun law. He's got all his weapons. And then Deacon offers to turn Garen, Karen... Deacon offers to turn Karen into a vampire, and Karen says, is this the part where you offer to turn me? And Deacon says, well, it's either that or a body bag. <laughs> so, okay. Anyway, so Karen tells Deacon that vampires are a disease spreading on the world, and she even makes a reference to them being like STDs. So, interesting. Uh, nobody wants those. And Frost, <laughs> that's actually in the movie, though. But then Frost tells her that they are the top of the food chain, and they need Blade's blood to resurrect the vampire that won't let anyone get in his way. And then Blade... Oh yeah, kicking ass and taking names, baby. He arrives blasting his way through the vampire guards in the complex with his fucking Silver Stake shotgun again, baby. Let's fucking go. It's Silver Stake time. I hope you brought your red meat, boys, because we got some steak to eat. <laughs> yeah, let's go. And Blade sees his own mother as a vampire which stops him in his tracks for a moment and she's back to life where he thought she was dead and finds out deacon saved her the night she was supposed to die we talked about earlier where she hit the flat line and deacon intrudes starts beating blade down uh with the other accomplices that he brings with him and says you spent your whole life trying to find the vampire that turned your mother well here i am we're one big happy family Ooh, full circle moment baby and then blade is taken captive and is put with karen and uh karen tells blade that she thinks she's discovered a cure for him but the only downside is he will be completely human and will lose all his vampire abilities back to deacon he continues to taunt blade by destroying some of the serum that he has to keep his, you know, vampire, you know, vampire turning at bay so he can resist that and tells him it's made him weak. And then Quinn, Quinn's back at it. His right hand man, the burned vampire has recovered. And he says, he tells Karen, 
don't worry, sweetheart. We got something real special planned for you. And then Deacon tosses Karen into a big pit. Full circle moment, baby. Curtis is in the pit. And he's alive, but he's a vampire. And he keeps trying to come and eat her. He's like he a goes, zombie, dude. It's weird. Like They were talking yeah. earlier about how sometimes a turning doesn't always go to plan when they die. And sometimes they come back like as a zombie. And so that's another like, kind of goofy part. Is that Curtis wasn't really a vampire. The dude was a fucking zombie. <laughs> it was really yeah, interesting. I can tell. I figured he was like a vampire. So like, yeah, you're right. I don't know, man. What? But it was, it was very... I was a, I gotta say though, the writing was very full circle. That was nice. <laughs> I enjoyed that. And uh, he says, "Tell me, Karen, do you ever have second thoughts about us?" And remember, that's full circle because what he said in the beginning about their previous, you know, relationship they had. And Karen attacks Curtis, starts beating him with a leftover bone she found in the pit. This pit was like. You know, the pit and return of the Jedi, man. It was crazy. And um, she attempts to escape. And now we're back over to Blade. And he's strapped into a wall so they can try to extract the blood. And it was like this big, like, stone wall uh, where it almost looked like the Carbonite in Empire Strikes Back with Han Solo or something. And Blade's mother tells him that vampires are her people now and she says try to understand eric your mother died a long time ago i've killed and i've enjoyed it sooner or later the thirst always wins and blade's mother presses a button and the other side of the cement block collapses on blade causing his blood to start dripping down his hands and smashes him enclosed in this stone prison and Blade's mom watches as the blood drains out. And then Karen escapes the pit, finally. And Angel, you know, Frost-like vampire girlfriend romance, she stabs a mem- member of this vampire, uh, like the upper vampires that are in this, like, ceremony, kills him. And as the vampire group, like, starts criticizing the actions of Deacon... They try to raise the vampire god. And uh, Karen removes the bandages covering the bite marks from her neck as she gets to Blade. And tells Blade she wants him to take some of her blood. Because this is the only way he's going to survive after all this serum has been destroyed. And uh, so Blade bites her where the marks are and starts sucking out the blood. um, Because otherwise he's going to bleed to death. And he he begins to consume her. It's almost like he can't stop. Like, there's a frenzy that starts. And she's, like, about to be drained of her blood and, like, pass out and die. But he forces himself to retract from Karen and begins screaming, like, oh, yeah, it's going down. And uh, (laughs) then we're back with Deacon. And he has, like, all the blood from the ceremony like begins to come down from the ceiling almost like another full circle with the sprinklers right like you almost wonder if this is like a worship sort of sort of thing like or maybe it's like some sort of like um they're tripping balls i don't know what do you think about this it's like a ritual so it's basically like a, a, a ritual to summon something 
Yeah. So, question about this. Do you think, like, the ritual was what they were also doing in the club? Or do you think that was just, like, we're ready to party? Yeah, they were ready to party, man. That was just their... That was their fucking... You know, you go to paint parties back in the day? That that blood was their paint. <laughs> yeah, man. They had some good time. <laughs> good shit, man. So, and then, at this point, electricity... Begin, I don't know where the fuck to say it must be in the back somewhere. Electricity comes out from the room and starts igniting all the like politician vampires and turning them to ash that were taken hostage there. And then Blade's mother attacks him as he's beginning to get up. And uh, she reminds him that she is his mother. And Blade said, I must release you. And stabs her with a stake, a vampire wooden stake. And uh, she transforms into a skeleton and then, you know, and then dies <laughs> after he stabs her with a stake. And um, then skeletons begin to emerge from the ceremony room with the vampires that were like electrocuted. And skeletons start to attack. Deacon, what's going on here? Can you explain this part with the skeletons for me? Yeah, actually, I thought this part was kind of cool because not only was it the skeleton, but then like an internal skeleton bursts out of the skeleton, and it was uh, to signify the bats because they're vampires, right? So I thought that was cool. Like they're the vampires in full flight form, and they're spirits, and they're flying in and out of his uh, a Deacon Frost like body because they're about to possess him and that's like that you know it's going to lead into what you're about to go into but it was really really interesting they weren't attacking they're flying in and out of his body to like gain access to it and pretty soon we're going to see how that turns out yeah it was really cool so and then we go back to quinn he's still alive he's taunting blade and says i've got two new hands to kill you with (laughs) where those have like regenerated now where he had caught up cut off both of them in this film and then Blade fights through the ceremony room. I counted beat down 24 vampires. Holy shit. Cutting them down, you know, blasting them away. And then he grabs a sword off the wall and sees Deacon at the end of, like, the atrium ceremony room. And shit's going down. And then Karen is fighting Angel one-on-one and sprays her with the vampire mace that Abraham gave her. And her head explodes like Philavandrel. I don't know what the fuck this was. But yeah, Angel explodes into a million pieces. Uh, And then Blade and Deacon engage in this one-on-one all-out sword fight. Go blow for blow until Blade finally cuts off Deacon's hand and cuts him through his torso. But he regenerates really quickly and like reattaches himself. And Deacon pushes Blade back despite stabbing, despite, you know, Eric Blade stabbing Deacon through the heart. He recovers again. And then Blade has his serum vials that were like, I I can't really explain it. Somehow they were like attached to the top of the wall. Is that where Deacon put them? They were like attached on the top of the cliff wall is where they were. Well, he grabbed them off of him and threw them. Just like randomly threw them and that's where they landed. Oh, okay. Yeah, somehow they were stuck to the wall. Uh, All right. (laughs) Yeah, so. But then he throws his sword up there, which remember has that gauge on it where like the prongs come open. And the gauge ignites, and the prongs come open, and, like, the piece of the wall falls down with the serum, 
and he catches all the serum and uh and deacon says what uh, <laughs> what uh <laughs> he's deacon says your serum can't help you now little bitch <laughs> i was like what <laughs> i don't know why we decided to write that line in there but whatever i'll have it and uh he <laughs> when the serum comes down Deacon tries to jump at Blade. I put like a flying monkey or something. Did you see that? It was like from the Wizard of Oz. It was like the karate crane is what was going on. And Blade says, some motherfucker always trying to ice skate uphill. <laughs> he throws the serum at him, all six vials into Deacon and roundhouse kick fucking roundhouse your ass grandpa <laughs> roundhouse the serum into his fucking forehead and deacon's like bright red eyes like he's just getting hit with the serum and he ex- like turns into this purple monster and explodes everywhere well, let, let me explain that too so it ended up being what we thought was the serum that blade was normally using actually ended up being the uh weapon that Karen created. They put those in the vial that coagulates the blood and, and clots it up and explodes the vampires. So while we thought, or what the whole plot was to make us think, was that the serum was going to help like Blade get some strength back and you know get back in the battle. But in actuality, it was the weapon that Karen created as a hematologist who understands like blood work and, and, and stuff. So that's what happened. He got, he got injected with all of, of Karen's weapon there and that the, the blood that was circulating his body was all clotting up until it just expanded and it blew him up into this balloon-like creature and exploded all over the place. Excellent, excellent point. What did you think of the skate uphill motherfucker comment? I've never heard that one. <laughs> I mean, I, at the end of the day, I, it was it was nothing like that huge roundhouse kick of the serum to the forehead that, like that. That's what I really liked. I was like, oh boy, that was a what? No, what a shot that was, huh? He just did a little spin around, kicked it, and it landed right between the eyes. It's a perfect little shot there. I gotta say, man, the martial arts in this movie are fucking awesome, though. Like it was typical like 90s Bruce Lee style like I felt like every fucking fight was like a Power Ranger fight or something was going down it was fucking cool so then Karen and Blade leave together and oh fuck yeah here we go the sun begins to rise for the next day and Karen says we need to get back to the lab I'm going to cure you not today bitch that wasn't in there but Blade says it's not over you keep your cure there's still a war going on, and I have a job to do. You want to help? Make me a better serum. And then the scene changes, and it's snowing. And we have this Russian couple that's walking together. And one of them's a Russian vampire that's on a date with a woman and says, Are you ready for a surprise? And the woman says, I like surprises. And the vampire grabs her by the throat. But our badass motherfucker shows up, Eric Blade, and he says, catch you at a bad time, Conrad. And he whips out his sword, and then that's when the scene ends. And we leave off for Blade 2, baby. Let's fucking go. What are your takeaways for Blade? I bet for its time, it was probably a pretty sick movie because what i will say and i said this when we were discussing 
uh, you know, covering it, is that it was action from the start to finish. There really wasn't any lull or by a, a intricate plot. It was just here's some vampires. We gotta take these out. Like yes, the the loose plot of yeah, it's, the vampires kill a mother. I want revenge for ruining my childhood and making me a bit of a monster myself with the, your guys's blood in while she was pregnant. So now it's like that I got to you know, avenge her death type of deal. Then, oh, it turns out she was alive the whole time and he's got to kill her. So, like, yeah, look, there is a, there's a plot. Is it the best plot in the world? No, it's very typical of an old superhero movie. Someone does something bad to your family. You want revenge, like you said, very Punisher-esque in a way. But I will say that the the battle, it was just nonstop battles, nonstop fights, nonstop. Like, the, the, some of the weapons they used, very creative. thought it was kind of cool. It was, like, it was a little bit cheesy, a little bit cool, a little bit fun. It was just everything you want in a, in a standalone little Halloween-themed episode that we wanted to give to, to everyone here for, for Halloween weekend. So, yeah, man, my takeaways are that for 1998... It was still what I would call watchable. There's some shit I can't watch from the 90s anymore. Like I, I look at that, I, I start watching. I'm dude, I can't watch this. You know what I mean? But this, right. it's not. I'm not gonna say it like, held up, and it's not Jurassic Park or nothing. But you know, for for what it was, it, I appreciated it, and that's pretty much all I've got to say on, on that in terms of the takeaways. What about you? What are your takeaways on it? Yeah, man. I mean, it was this was the perfect movie if you're drunk on Halloween and you just really want to put on something stupid. But, like, fun to watch, but it's, like, you're so drunk you want to laugh at, like, how cheesy the action is, but still actually have some appreciation for it. This was the perfect fucking movie, man. <laughs> it's the great fucking Halloween special. You know what I was impressed with is I was really impressed with, honestly, like, yeah, the dialogue was cheesy of a typical, like, 90s-style Sylvester Stallone film, like Cobra or something, like Cobra... Or, like, Sylvester Stallone or Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like, it was that typical, like, cheesy dialogue. But the writing, honestly, like, it had some pretty cool, like, full circle moments. Like, I felt like they did tie up loose ends. Like, they kept trying to tie up loose ends very well. You found out what happened with his mom. You know, you had all these weapons that came into play. You're like, how are they going to come into play? Every weapon came into play in a significant way at some point. You know, the action was fucking cool. I mean, it, it reminded me of, like, Mortal Kombat in the 90s. Like, the old Mortal Kombat films. Like, let's go. <laughs> like, kill him. <laughs> and it's like, they would do a lot of kicks and spins and acrobats and stuff. Which, realistically, in a real fight, it's going to be, like, something like Geralt had. <laughs> but, yeah, it was very karate chopping, which was kind of cool. Um... But yeah, and I love the weapons. Like, the weapons were so unique. I like the lore they put behind it with, like, how they used the garlic and the silver stakes and everything. Because everyone knows about vampires and, like, as far as, like, that Halloween lore goes. So it's very interesting how they tied it in. But in the end, man, it was just a fun fucking ride. Like, you can't take it too serious. If you're going into this movie with a serious mindset, you did the wrong thing. Go into it, have a couple bottles of wine. Put on some candles, you know, drink every time Blade says motherfucker, and you'll have a good time, man. <laughs> it was great. What, uh, do you have any debates on this one for the Halloween special today? I do, but it's more about how do we think Marvel is going to reintroduce Blade into the universe? Like, what do we think is going to happen? I know that 
when they're not recasting Wesley Snipes be tough. Wesley Snipes is you know upwards of sixty years old now, I think, or somewhere close to it. So, you know, I I don't know. If, I'm not necessarily saying we got to to figure out who's going to play Blade or anything like that. But like, how is it going to get reintroduced? Are we just are we going to get a a cameo of him in another film and from there build on the story, or are we going to get a full origin sort of from the beginning style like we did? Here in this one, what what do you think, and how do you think it's going to be reintroduced into the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Yeah, and what's interesting, me personally, I feel like it's going to have a lot more serious take on it than like the cheesy one-liners and stuff. Like, clearly, Blade's going to be a fucking badass. Like, Blade, I could very well see him like with the way they take this character and how successful it was in the '90s. For, like, this reboot, like, he could be, like, one of the juggernauts of Marvel going forward. It just depends on how they do it. I think we will see him. What's interesting is because, like, I think I, I'm not exactly 100%, um, I guess, 100%, uh, you know, learned, I guess you can say, on the whole, like, Blade lore but I do know at some point, like, Morbius actually came into play. And, like, Sony had tried that. So my guess is, like, something maybe to do with Spider-Man or Venom. Like, they'll try something like that to bring him in. And he'll probably be one of those, like, cameos at the end of the movies. I'm just interested to see, like, like what would happen? Like, would we get, like, a vampire as, like, one of the big villains of one of these, like, big movies? And maybe he teams up with, like, one of the Avengers or something? Like, I don't know how it would actually come into play, but I think you'll have, you'll probably have a franchise. Like, of course, they want to do in Marvel, like, perfect. You make three, right? Or something like that. And then he probably becomes, like, a big portion of the Avengers, but he's definitely going to be more of, instead of, like, a good guy, probably more of, like, a neutral character that just kind of ties up loose ends or comes in at the exact moment needed is my thoughts. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I I think that we would probably get a a small cameo towards the end of another movie like we do sometimes with Marvel. Like when at the end of Venom 2 when he goes through that there and you see like Peter Parker uh on on that screen in the in the alternate spot that he ended up in at the end of it. Uh, I think it's gonna be something like that. Uh, I, I maybe Deadpool, maybe Wolverine, yeah. something like that. You know, it, it's gonna have to. You're gonna have to make it make sense with the backstory of Blade in terms of. I know it's a vampire type deal, but if we go into like you know Blade Two and Blade Trinity, it, it's more along the lines of what's left. For Blade in terms of bad guys, so does it have to be a vampire? Because you know, at the end of the day, did did he not do his job? So that's why I'm not convinced they'll do a full start from scratch, you know, reboot. I guess maybe we'll get some like after we he gets reintroduced and he's we'll get him as is. Maybe we'll get like an X Men origin story type deal with Blade afterwards. But I think it's going to be you know reintroduced as the full character he is and. Maybe from there, years down the road, after he does one or two major films, you know, whether it's something that's you know in the Avengers itself, which I'm not sure if that will be the route they go. Maybe it does seem like they are kind of gearing up every single superhero to be part of something really huge later on for Marvel down the road a few years away. 
But if not, like he could still be a major character in another film that's not Avengers specific. And I I do think that if we do get a reboot from the ground up, that it, the writing does need to little be a little bit stronger. I do feel like it'll be more dark and almost like the Batman with with Robert Pattinson a little bit, yeah. a little more of a. a not so much a full-blown action film all the way through with cheesy one-liners and stuff, but more of like a build-up and maybe a deeper backstory, maybe a, a real... Str- I'm hoping anyways it's going to be something strong and dark and just that that kind of vibe. I think that would be kind of the way they go with it. Where with this one here, I thought that it was very much just an action superhero movie. There's something that happened made the good guy want to take out the bad guys gives them like a purpose that he fulfills that purpose and there you go you know it just kind of seemed very very simple so what i think what marvel is going to do is if they do start from scratch they're going to give a deeper backstory maybe have it intertwined with other stuff later on but i really don't think they're going to do that first that might be like i said an origins type thing that they do down the line my opinion is that he's blade's going to make a cameo in one of these really cool films maybe deadpool 3 or something like that and from there, make appearances as, as, if not a main character, a main supporting character for other side villains along the way while Marvel builds up to this huge melee of every superhero of every faction coming together, like Fantastic Four, the, you know, the X-Men, the Avengers, I mean, whatever it finally collaborates into the huge mass of everything, he'll probably be introduced at that point in time. But that, those are my thoughts on it. Yeah, what's funny, too, to think about this, talk about, like, full circle for us even here for a way, because we know Hugh Jackman is coming out, coming back as Wolverine for Deadpool. So say if they introduce Blade, like, in Deadpool, how ironic would it be? Because, you you know, there was a Van Helsing, too, but not, like, the Van Helsing everyone wanted, right? If you saw, like, Hugh Jackman as Wolverine face off against vampires, <laughs> like, oh, that that seems familiar. <laughs> so, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I my debate for debate today, like, feeding off kind of what you said, is in the Marvel Universe, how do you make vampires work? Like, we've come up with this whole idea of you know, they kind of fight, like, the big alien, like Thanos. You know, you can even bring in some, like, villains, but they're more, like, super-powered human villains is the idea. How do you make something like vampires work in the Marvel Universe? And then at that point, do you have to start throwing in, like, werewolves? Like, what? how does this work at this point? Like, how do you even introduce him so it's, like, a seamless it actually makes sense to a story that you can introduce this whole nother species to a world that I feel like Marvel, the reason we all connect with it so much is it's more like our modern day world with like Tony Stark, Iron Man, Captain America, that sort of thing. I would say, well, number one, I'm not convinced that Marvel is going to introduce vampires, but if they were going to, the way I would, uh, I would do it because something that you mentioned is the majority of, of Marvel's major villains are the individuals from space, like aliens of some sort, you know, that are intergalactic and somehow find their way to Earth. That's kind of 
that whole deal with the majority of Mar- Marvel villains. So for vampires, maybe you kind of do it on Earth where these really evil guys who are trying to gain power and stuff are experimenting with, with uh, you know, concoctions and chemicals and trying to, you know, almost create a super soldier in, in the form of Captain America like that. Something similar to that, but it goes wrong and whatever they put into the concoction turns them into, uh, it's like, super speed, super strength, but need blood to to function and you know to get blood they, the the fangs start to grow to puncture like the the carotid artery and drain blood out of you know things just so that way they can function as the shit that they created almost a, 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 a resolution of their own undoing trying to become the superheroes but fucking up and now you're stuck as yes you guys super speed super strength but you need blood to survive so i think it's going to be something along those lines if that's the route they decide to go yeah i i agree with you i think you have to kind of honestly what i kind of think it would kind of be a really cool transition to have that introduced with something like daredevil like you know how they're doing they're rebooting daredevil and we've seen him make an appearance in spider-man no way home and that sort of thing well daredevil isn't exactly like the world's you know he's not the world's thor right like he he doesn't go from galaxy to galaxy he kind of protects his own neighborhood like he's defending hell's kitchen in new york right kind of like spider-man so i feel like you would have to have something like the daredevil spider-man like cleaning up the streets just like you said where they're kind of coming through this like kind of underground organization trying to kind of fly through the radar um while you have you know the other ones like maybe that's whole maybe that they could tie it in somehow like that with like secret wars and stuff right like you have your own kind of internal heroes here on earth that are defending the streets and taking care of these enemies that are doing underground projects but then you have this other stuff going on like captain marvel thor and all that they're defending like whatever the galaxy's big villain is so that's just kind of my thoughts but it'll be interesting to see how they do it because i think it's definitely going to have a lot more serious approach than get back here motherfucker (laughs) i noticed you wanted to be extra crispy today (laughs) yeah so with that man i'll let you close this out jay nelly Sounds like a plan, guys. We hope that if this is the first time you're tuning into us, you enjoyed this little Halloween special. This is something that we do periodically. If a date falls around a holiday, we'll try to do something fun like this. So, you know, this isn't the typical Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy episode. You know, if you this is the first time listening, go back. We've got a whole catalog of, of stuff that we covered, but we wanted to have a little fun with this one for Halloween weekend. But uh, if you are someone who's been watching us from the very beginning, you already know what this is all about. And thank you for continuously being the shields that guard the realms of fantasy. For where you can find us online and on social networks, we're on Instagram at official ridiculous patronus. We're on TikTok at ridiculous patronus. We have a backup Instagram at fact underscore or underscore fantasy. Backup TikTok at fact underscore or underscore fantasy. We've got a Facebook fan page, Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. We're on YouTube at ridiculous patronus. We have, uh, we're on snapchat rp factor fantasy on twitter at rp factor fantasy we do have our own website ridiculouspatronus.blogspot.com so please tune into those pages click like subscribe follow along leave us star ratings leave us reviews all the engagement really does help us here on the show 
And in terms of the podcast, if you are an Apple user, you can find us on Apple Podcast. If you're an Android user, you can find us on Google Play. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on iHeartRadio. You can find us on Audible, Amazon Music, Stitcher, Acast, or Hostsite, Podbean, anywhere you get your podcasts. Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy are there. But we are out for the day because this has been another ridiculous production. Chase and Josh. Factor Fantasy. Signing off. off.